0: Hi, I'm Gail. And hi, I'm Catherine. Welcome to Women Over 70 Aging Reimagined, our award-winning weekly podcast. Please join Aging Reimagined Circle, our sustaining membership fund, so we may continue to inspire women to age with curiosity, courage, and creativity. Aging Reimagined Circle hosts probing discussions each month. Visit our upcoming events at womenover70.com and join today.
1: And we're excited to introduce you to Aggie Jordan. She's a PhD, and she hails from West Pitson, Pennsylvania.
2: That has always been hard.
1: Yes. (laughs) She's a former nun, a teacher, and a relationship counselor. And Aggie hopes to inspire women to have their voices heard whenever, wherever, and by whoever challenges their rights to human equality. She is the former founder and CEO of Jordan DeLaurenti, Inc., a training and contract management company. And since selling this business, writing has been her life's work. A former small business columnist for the Dallas Times-Herald, Prime Women, an online magazine and a writer for The View, the monthly magazine for Sun City's Shadow Hills Community in Indio, California, Aggie has produced over 60 articles for these publications. She's also the author of The Marriage Plan, How to Marry Your Soulmate in One Year or Less, and The Book of Robert, a biography of Robert De Laurenti, a first-generation Italian immigrant. Aggie has enjoyed traveling with her husband to over 75 countries. She's been a guest on many television shows, including the CBS Morning Show, and ABC Good Morning, Dallas, as well as a number of radio broadcasts. So welcome to Women Over 70 Aging Reimagined. Aggie, let's start here. Everything began to change for you when you enrolled at Notre Dame. So why was that such a turning point for you?
2: I did, and indeed it was a transformation, there's no doubt. Uh, I loved being in on. I loved teaching. I taught for eight years, and then I got a fellowship to the University of Notre Dame for my doctorate in the administration of higher education. And the community, it was, uh, I was sent there for a master's program for the summer. You all remember the MAT uh, programs that we had, Master's of Arts and Teaching, Uh, That's what I went for, but when I was there, the professor asked me if I would be interested in going on with the doctorate, and yes, and all the bureaucracy happened, and I arrived there um, in my full habit with a um, bag ready to go, not knowing anything. I came from a very conservative religious community, and when I arrived there, I was introduced to many women from many different religious communities, and they were all less, far less conservative than mine in their thinking. And, I was just so excited about being there and going through the program. It was just an honor to be at the University of Notre Dame. Well, two things were happening at, uh, in that time. This was 1967, and we had just completed the Vatican Council that the church was Uh, Well, Pope John XXIII said, let's open the windows and let air in. Let's just change and come up to date with the church. And then there was the feminist movement, the women's movement. They were crossing at the same time. And we had a German scholar that arrived at Notre Dame to talk about the council. And he made this, and everybody came. It was exciting to have this person. And he made the statement he said, Men are the action makers, and women are the receptacles. And then he proceeds to give the analogy of our vagina and penis, et cetera. So we thought, hmm. At the end of that, I thought, well, that's just about the way the church teaches us, you know, so I'm not going to be too upset. I get back to the dorm and in the lobby, there are a hundred or so women in the lobby listening to this Sister Suzanne, a theologian. And when I walk in, she says, how dare he? And I thought, "Wow, what's this going to be about?" And That was my awakening. It was It took a couple of years though, for me to transform. Uh, it I was there for four years, and each year was another development of my feminism number one. But being in that environment of such brilliant, wonderful, warm, loving women was just just a a real transformation for me and that was the beginning of my feminism and my desire for my whole life to do everything I could to make sure that women were treated as equals to men
1: Mm -hmm. and so did is that when you left the nunnery were you when I
2: I left after that. I left uh before I graduated. I left in my final year at Notre Dame right. before I got my degree. Right. Um, and uh I had no idea what I was going to do. Uh, I had to get a job number one. i had I only lived on the fellowship money at the university. The community did not support me for the last three and a half years because I had the full fellowship. And um, so it was, what am I gonna do? How am I gonna get, make a living? And it was a wide awakening for me to re- to know that I had to find a place to live. I had to have a, a a rent, down payment, security deposit, all of those things that I never had to worry about in the last 14 years. Mm-hmm. And but I had such dear friends who supported me. The person whose position I was taking, I got Lewis University, that's what I got at that point. And the person whose position I was taking arranged for me to have all of that taken care of loans ahead of time, advances, etc. Before I got there, Mm -hmm. it was just I mean, I am oftentimes overwhelmed by the support I have received in life from so many different people. <laughs> and uh, and this happened to be a, a male, but it was a woman who got him to do it. <laughs> all of our, all of our, my women mentors, my women friends who have gotten me through life are just, um, just deep in my heart. I don't think there's anything like it.
1: You know, when we talked, you said that you, your, your real goal now is to reach daughters and granddaughters with your work. And, and so how, why is that your goal and, and how do you hope to do that and what changes are you wishing for?
2: Well, the thing that motivated me was, which has probably motivated most of us, was the Supreme Court decision in June of last year when Roe versus Wade was rejected and sent back to the states. And we now know what happened. 24 of the 50 states now have either limited abortion or uh, removed abortion, limited abortion, or are in the process of doing it. Mm -hmm. And that's to me a scary scary thing for our granddaughters and our daughters mm-hmm. because we had many more privileges than they had for the last 50 years right. and our bodies are have not been respected through this whole process. our health has not been respected. we are responsible. I have talked to two gynecologists in the last, within the last couple of weeks the passion these women have about their anger and about how it needs to be changed because of what they see and what they know and Aggie,
0: can you tell us more specifically what you're doing to uh, advance your mission
2: well yes uh i am t- i have been writing uh, especially in magazines i have uh, i do blogs I have been talking um, to groups, large groups of people. Um, I had a group of women over, I would say certainly over 55 if not over 65 uh, of 140 and got the up. And their response was so wonderful, recognizing that they're the ones that have to make the move. They're the ones who suffered with us. They are the ones, your listeners are the people who understand what it took to do, you know, what I have in my book, the stories that it took, the, the laws we had to change, et cetera. And when I say we, I mean so many of us throughout the country had to make those movements, marches on Washington, uh, protests in the street, whatever we had to do to make the changes. And My granddaughter is a a doctoral student at Stanford in mechanical engineering. And she invited me up to talk about my book to her fellow students. I was, it was right then and there, I understood how much we have to do to get out and help them. And I think one of the big things I'm going to do to answer your question specifically, Catherine, is... And I have been doing is getting people out to vote, especially women, mm-hmm. to uh, to get them registered, number one, and then to get. And that is one of the messages I bring to young women who care about this.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You can't just sit back, you've got to do something. Aggie, show us your book. What is yeah. the of it? I'll show it to you, but I think it'll come <laughs> oh,
0: you're you're in, It's your image,
2: right? Say the name of it, the title. Yeah, I'll say the name. A Woman's Voice Should Be Heard, My Journey from the Convent to the Battle for Women's Equality. Mm -hmm. And it's published by Legacy Book Press, which is in the Midwest also. Um, It's very hard to get a book published today. (laughs) (laughs) And Legacy Book Press is a women-owned press which I was real excited about. And mm-hmm. they um, they were willing to publish my book and I was really happy about it. Uh, so that's what has gotten me on the road mm-hmm. to see if I can get the message across to when I speak to women our age, then I would like them to see what they can do with their daughters. I wrote a piece the other day that, addressed that issue and said you can't go and visit your granddaughter and not talk about this mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. you
2: have to take their hands and you have to say you've got to do something mm-hmm. just one thing will make a difference and, and talking about it,
1: pardon what are you suggesting they do
2: i'm suggesting that they number one get involved in the vote Number one, that's I think if they could do that, if they could write uh, postcards last year for the election, and twenty, my granddaughter wrote two hundred postcards, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and she wrote some for me because I don't handwrite anymore simply because I have a tremor in my hand, and it would be all over.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But uh, she said, "Oh, Grandma, I'll do it for you." So I sent her the money for the stamps and the envelopes, and. She took care of it with that spirit. I know we can do something. Yeah. If we can get them going, right. <laughs> it's a long way off, you know, in some sense.
1: Oh, it's important. It's so important. We can't underestimate that, can we?
2: No, we really can't. And then um, I really enjoy. I've been on on a couple of podcasts talking to women. Younger women, uh, podcasts for women in their 30s, etc., who really are interested in developing relationships and uh, recognizing that their marriage, if they get married, would not be the same as ours was. Mm-hmm. How are they going to do this? How does somebody in Texas control her own health? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or any of those other states that we have i looked at the map yesterday of those states that have changed and it's almost all the midwest except for five states and the south the south and the midwest and it just we've got to get to them
0: <laughs> yes yeah are you referring to your book the marriage plan
2: um sometimes i do but you know it's 20 years old so oh. Okay. But I should rewrite it, I think, but I'm I've already written this one. Do
0: you write one for women over 70?
2: Um, I guess I
0: should. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I I've really written enough in the past couple of months uh, for interviews, you know, uh, digital, <laughs> digital uh, interviews. Yeah. And uh, it, but it's been fun. I really have.
1: Um you, said you want to raise the bar. At 75 plus.
2: Oh, yes, I have a blog. And the blog is called Racing the Well, this part of this series I'm doing right now is raising the blog at 75 plus. Mm -hmm. And what I'm trying to, I've got this thing about ageism. Mm -hmm. I think that there's no ageism is as bad as any other isms. And that we need to take people for what they can do and can think and can produce we can't be making judgments on it so what i'm trying to do is gather people who are thrivers and achievers like you two women and um write about them in my blog and i have uh, i have a gentleman i have a couple of gentlemen and a couple of women one woman particularly at the age of 70, got a divorce, and she initiated the divorce because she was unhappy and had to get a job to support herself. She had some money and some pension, but it wouldn't be according to the life she wanted to lead, Mm -hmm. so or she was used to. So she has spent the last 10 years selling medical insurance. Mm. And the way she has done it, I am so proud of her courage. She has just gone out there, and uh, she's comfortable selling, so that's good. But I and then there's another woman woman that I just finished that I was telling um, Gail about earlier. That is just has produced five books since she was 77. She has. Mm published five books, since she was 77. One is her memoir, and it's so very interesting. And she has two novels, a humorous vignettes book, and she's going to write a second one on the vignettes, the rest of her stories. She has a great sense of humor, so it's kind of fun.
1: You know. So it's not ever too late, is it?
2: It's never too late, never too late. Uh, we have. I have a gentleman who was a pediatric urologist, and now he has—he's 81 or 82. He has produced a musical. He has written his memoir. He was born in China, and got out of China in three hours with his family. He was only six years old at the time. Mm and did not know English well enough to become a writer at his age. And he spoke English well, and he knew the medical terms, et cetera. But as a writer, he has produced a musical. He is now a poet, and he is working very, and has produced his memoir. I mean, that kind of... of Thriving, you know, excelling is amazing to me. And I love to write about them.
0: Mm-hmm. And yeah, I'd like to go back to what you, you said that ageism is one of the major isms. So, can you say more about how we are as an ageist society and how, in particular, you see it affecting women, especially older women?
2: Especially older women and especially single women who are older. Um, I think women in retirement. Or looking toward retirement, um, uh, find that they may not be respected like they were at work. What's it gonna be when they retire? I got passion for this when I began to listen to the news when the election thing started this year with Trump and President Biden. And they're both old if we want to call them old they're both seniors they're 77 and 80 and judgments was being made i'm not voting for him because he's old if when biden had he tripped on something right
1: i remember he's old
0: yes Mm -hmm.
2: so did gerald ford at 60 (laughs) he tripped if you remember that's one of the things Mm he used to do Mm -hmm. all the time right you know people immediately make judgments on age it's in our system even i do it (laughs) um how many times have you uh, met up with an old friend and you said my she looks old Or my, he looks old. Guess what? (laughs) We do too. And our, our judgments are what kind of, we denigrate people because of their age. Whereas in Japan, they don't. They respect people because of their age.
0: How do you think it affects women internally? How does it affect us? Our spirit, our health? What do you see?
2: Oh, it can be depressing. It can be very depressing if you you must have a positive attitude to get out of ageism, your own your own Mm -hmm. stereotype of ageism. Mm -hmm. You have to feel that. I think there's also that there's a facing death. Which is, I think, as soon as we start using the word old, that's what we face. And how do we face it? And is it something we can face? I think it gets easier as we get older (laughs) to face death, to face our own death. Uh, It's never easy to face somebody we love dying, but our own perhaps. I think people begin to think they're old before they are, to answer your question, Kathy, especially women. Mm Look, we lose our 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 whole looks, which when we grew up were the most important thing. If you had brains, you weren't that respected
0: <laughs> until
2: you got out of college, mm-hmm. you know. And even then you weren't. I mean, be- we've lost our beauty. How about we lose our breasts through cancer?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: We lose so much. And yet I have seen women who have gone through cancer, have lost their breasts, and are just out there like everybody else. My friend I was talking to you about that I'm going to send you her information. She wrote these five books, and she has a spinal injury. She cannot walk by herself. She needs a walker. And sometimes she's in a wheelchair. She is positive about life. Mm-hmm. So it's all up here. It's how we look at that. But I think we have to encourage each other. Mm-hmm. I would say to women, go get some women friends. Because a lot of us move when we're retired. Mm-hmm. We move from one place to the other. And we simply do not uh, remember that it's women friends who will keep us going. Go join something you know do something uh um, valuable volunteer my number one somebody always asked me what do you advise women who retire my number one is take care of your health right examine who you are. live in an area where you're going to have good medical care but take care of your health then socialize
0: <laughs>
2: find your your environment those yeah. two things will keep us healthy and then follow with exercise and good eating. But those things are always a little harder.
1: <laughs> yes. So is there another book in you? Aggie, is that a book
2: in you? I I think maybe if anything, it will be more essays than a book. Mm-hmm. Uh, because because of what I've started with all of this. And uh, and it's been so much fun. Um, I'm 85 years old. <laughs> Uh-oh, Aggie just accused herself of ageism.
1: <laughs> you said it proudly.
2: I am. I am very proud of my age. Yes. And, uh, and my husband's 89 and a photographer. Mm-hmm. Uh, last month, he had a cover photo on a magazine. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> We need to be proud of our age and working toward it and not bored in our house or sitting watching TV all day. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't help us. Right. I shouldn't be preaching. Sorry, dear women in the audience. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't want to be a preacher, but I do want you to have the greatest, greatest ability to thrive.
1: Wonderful note to end on. <laughs> well, so
0: thank, you. thank you. And listeners, thank you. Thanks to your loyalty, our numbers are growing all across the country and overseas. And that's a good thing. Still, we need more subscribers. You can subscribe on our YouTube channel, Women Over 70, Aging Reimagined, or wherever you find our podcast. And we'll see you next Wednesday. Thank you, Aggie. Thank you very much. Thank you, Aggie. Bye bye. Bye bye.